Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday sermon was given by guest speaker, Reverend Amanda Goldbeck. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. So can you guys help me out with the scripture reading this morning? We're going to say the prayer of illumination. We should practice right now, and then we're going to start the scripture reading. And you're going to hear our wonderful readers read in languages from all around the world. They're going to take us around the world in four readers, and they're going to show us the full breadth of the body of Christ around the world. But you guys, hold on one second, Lena. Um, We are going to say... God, show us your light. Can you guys practice that with me? Ready? God, show us your light. That's a great prayer for illumination. Okay, we're going to start our scripture reading right now. Hold on one second. I'll get your question at the end of the children's lesson. Okay. Our scripture reading today is from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 10, verses 34 through 43, which you will find in the New Testament section of our Pew Bibles beginning on page 122, or, in many languages, on the screen. Please join me and the children in a prayer for illumination. God, show us your light. God, show us your light. Acts 10, verse 34. Peter just opened up and said, I really saw God is not the only one. In fact, the people who are in the world 情义的人都为主所悦纳。神借着耶稣基督，他是万有的主，传和平的福音，将这道赐给以色列人。Peter began to speak to the centurion Cornelius and to his relatives and close friends. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right. Is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Ese mensaje se extendió por toda Judea, comenzando en Galilea, después del bautismo que Juan anunció, cómo Dios unió a Jesús de Nazaret con el Espíritu Santo y con poder. Como hizo el bien y sanando a todos los que fueron oprimidos por el diablo, porque Dios estaba con él. Somos testigos de todo lo que hizo, tanto en Judea como en Jerusalén. Eye wo na wo di fian, menye du kobli bo la katan o. Ke bon, efe dase di la si wo ma wo tiyan di ho ho. Mi, ame si wo du nu, eye mie nu nu pli. Le efe chitre chichi, cho ame kuku wo do me mekbe. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day, and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses, and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. 
Enfin, il nous a prescrit de proclamer au peuple et de porter ce témoignage. C'est lui que Dieu a désigné comme juge des vivants et des morts. C'est à lui que tous les prophètes rendent le témoignage que voici. Le pardon des péchés est accordé pour son nom à quiconque met en lui sa foi. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Let us pray. Holy God, bring your spirit into this place at this time on this day. Lord, I pray that you will open our hearts and the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of us here will be pleasing unto you. Amen. I encourage you to consider pulling out your Bibles and following along with the scripture text. Hopefully it will maybe illuminate our time together a little more. In June, the British people and members of the Commonwealth of Nations marked the platinum jubilee of Queen Elizabeth II. The jubilee was celebrating and recognizing the Queen's 70-year reign. The celebrations included a variety of events, with nearly all British citizens embracing one aspect of the celebrations with greater excitement, the street parties. Throughout the holiday weekend of the Jubilee, neighborhoods held elaborate street parties all across the Commonwealth. Particularly interesting about these parties is that unlike our barbecues and block parties, that mostly involves standing around socializing or sitting in camp chairs with food precariously perched on our laps. These street parties across Britain included long, almost unending tables stretched the whole length of streets. The banqueting table was set and it appeared there was room to keep adding spots at the table. This Sunday marks a certain level of banqueting for us as we celebrate communion. And following worship, we will celebrate our monthly agape meal. But our celebration is elevated even one step further in that our focus and experience of communion this morning carries with it an intentionality of acknowledging the broadness of God's kingdom throughout the world. This Sunday, alluded to by all the flags hanging around our sanctuary, is World Communion Sunday. On this particular Sunday, we intentionally name the truth 
that we are but one branch of the body of Christ, connected in and through Christ to a vast family of God that stretches from east to west and north to south throughout all the ends of the earth. I will confess, I think that is why I find it a little hard to worship and sing and preach and hear the words of scripture in a polyglot of beautiful languages inside the sanctuary. Much like the British people who took their celebrations to the streets during the Jubilee, the nature of World Communion Sunday seems to resist the confines of the sanctuary walls. What would it look like? What would it feel like if this moment, this experience, this encounter with God in worship was happening out there on Chicago Avenue or out there in Raymond Park? It is an interesting concept to reflect on in light of our scripture for this morning. In what ways do we intention, unintentionally separate ourselves from the rest of the world, even when we say we celebrate the world in all of its diversity? In what ways do we create obstacles to people experiencing the welcoming love of Christ? In what ways do we keep Jesus locked inside the walls of institutions or groups or ministries and relationships that are inaccessible to the broader community? How are we possibly locking Jesus away all to ourselves, perhaps unintentionally? Our scripture begins with a pretty clear declaration. Peter explains, I truly understand that God shows no partiality. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, every nation who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. God shows no partiality. Now for us hearing this, it may not feel all that profound of a statement. For most of us, we have caught on to the basic idea that God has abounding love. But to understand how much this shifts things in Christianity, we need to step back and understand the broader context this section of the book of Acts is situated within. The first thing to remember is that this is post-resurrection. This is coming after the disciples have experienced a very long and eye-opening journey as Jesus' followers. The disciples, Peter among them, have all journeyed with Christ through his time of ministry, his time of healing and teaching and reorienting believers. The disciples, including Peter, have all journeyed with Christ to the cross and to the tomb and now they stand on the other side of all of that, having had Christ visit them in the upper room, confirming clearly that he indeed did conquer death and rose, setting in motion what we recognize as the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. Now, Peter, 
well and truly a believer in Christ, a Christian, stands in the house of Cornelius. Cornelius is a centurion from the Italian regiment who through the prompting of a vision seeks out Peter to come and speak and ultimately preach to his family and household. Understanding the setting for Peter's words is important because it contextualizes them in a manner that makes them ever more important for us to hear today. Peter was throughout all his life a faithful Jew who having followed Jesus is now evangelizing in the name of Christ. For Peter, the question of who is in and who is out, what the parameters are for welcoming people into the family of God is central to his unfolding journey of evangelism, of witnessing to the life-transforming power of the good news of Christ. Here, Peter stands before Gentiles, a place Peter never would have expected to find himself to be before he met Jesus. Before he encountered Jesus, before he witnessed the power of God on display in the world, altering life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, these non-Jews would have been on the outside. These Gentiles would have been out of luck because these Gentiles, Cornelius and his family and household, by Jewish law, weren't God's chosen people. But, but Peter doesn't stand before them and preach about how they aren't good enough to make it into the family of God. He doesn't provide them a list of requirements that they may or may not be able to meet. He stands before them and proclaims that God shows no partiality. God doesn't have any favorites. Not only that, but he proclaims that Christ is Lord of all, that Jesus changes everything. Suddenly, in these two lines of scripture, the expansive and limitless nature of God's love is made clear. The kingdom of God is not a place filled with God's favorites. It's not a place that is for some, but not all. Here is the other important detail. The kingdom of God isn't some far off place. It isn't a secret club that we have to figure out the right code to get into. The kingdom of God is here. It is breaking through all around us and Christ being Lord of all is calling each and every one of us to enter into it. Peter remarks that in every nation, anyone who fears God and does what is right is acceptable to God. Anyone of any nation, of any place, in any time. The path to faith is open to everyone. All we have to do is believe to trust in the all-loving, all-powerful, all-conquering Lord of all. And this is why we can all come to the communion table this morning. Why all of us have a place at the table of our Lord. 
Jesus came and died and was raised by the power of God so that all would come to the table and eat the bread and drink from the cup, all in remembrance of him. The good news of the gospel is that God has prepared the table and all are welcome to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. God shows no partiality as the scripture declares. But the question remains, who else are we going to invite to come along? Who is God calling on you to invite to this place, to this worship, to this life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ? As a congregation, who do we notice isn't here? And I don't mean which of our church friends or fellow pew sitters aren't here. While it is important to notice that, I, I wonder as a congregation, who in a broader sense is missing from joining us? It's a fair question to ask ourselves individually and corporately as we prepare to come to the table in just a few minutes. I return to my discomfort at the beginning of the sermon with sharing this message of God's impartiality on this World Communion Sunday within the confines of the sanctuary walls. While it is important for each of us to know that God loves us and invites us to be in communion with Christ and each other, I can't help but think of all those not here never here, that are out there, walking down the street or next to us at the grocery store or waving to us from across the apartment building hallway. I can't help but think of those who are hurting or who are lost or who are lonely or who think they are actually in control of every aspect of their lives. How are we called, like Peter, to stand before them and to walk with them and to walk alongside those who think they don't belong or don't fit or don't need Jesus? How do we not only invite them to their place at the table, but take their hand and lead them to it? As we come to the table today, let us hold Jesus in our hearts as we remember the poor or the afraid, the ashamed, the shunned, the sick, the dying, the emotionally struggling, the broken. For if it is true that God shows no partiality, then we all have some work to do. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.